still keep it out? We're going to Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Where we're not happy, don't feel like we ever have enough. And 
so we try to fill that void with stuff. And then we teach our kids that too, right? And it's, it's something that we, I don't even think parents recognize that they do, because I catch myself doing it. If you're good, mama's gonna let you go to McDonald's. <laughs> if you're good. So what happens when they're an adult, and Joshua says, you know, I've been good. I should go to McDonald's. <clears throat> or Rachel, if you're good in the store, if you're good in the store, Rachel, you know what you can have? Mommy's gonna get you a new baby doll if you're good in the store. And then when Rachel's an adult, she says, you know, I've been good. I need to go shopping. <laughs> you see how that <coughs> cultivates that? And it, it's something easy that, that we don't even think about that we do. So then we teach our kids this, and we learn this as young people, and now that we're adults, and we don't know why we can't have our hearts filled. We're discontent. But the only way to fill our hearts is through God. Because it might feel good <clears throat> to go to McDonald's or have the baby doll, but it's not going to last because you're going to want more. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the kind of fill that you cannot describe to someone until they've experienced it. Amen. But you don't have that desire to fill it with anything else. If you've ever experienced it, that mountaintop experience, it's amazing. You know, I was uh, teaching a class yesterday on a uh, parenting uh, course. I was doing it here at the church. And uh, we were talking about all these kids today that don't have um, that aren't content, right? That aren't happy. And, and what is it, and how do you deal with these problem children? And I know many of you are school teachers, right? How do you deal with problem children? It's, it's, it's like your everyday thing, right? Christina, that's like your everyday thing. Because don't they have to come to you if they've been really bad? Isn't that your job? Yeah. Sorry, Christina. <laughs> but how do, how do you deal with this? Well, we're teaching our kids about this discontentment where we're teaching them that if they get stuff or food or whatever, that that's how they're happy. But do you want to know what's really, really important to, to share with our children and to share with each other and it's a way in which we can find contentment?
building that contentment back in our lives by actually having real relationships with one another. Putting our phone down and having a real relationship. And it starts with these kids, but it's also adults. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a doctor's office or gone into uh, you know, the, the DMV or wherever it is, and everybody is right? Right? You just want to say, oh, there you are. See my eyes? It's that sincerity. You know, God loves you enough that he wants your attention. He wants you to put down these distractions and pay attention to him. And he wants you to be filled with him. And it starts with relationship, right? Now, I'm not saying phones are bad. I have my phone. I'm on my phone all the time, right? I'm not saying iPads are bad or that my MacBook is bad. I love it. I was taking pictures with it. I love my MacBook. It's this joke. It really, <laughs> sometimes I say jokes. My dry sense of humor. We say it again. I was taking pictures with my MacBook. Ha, 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 ha. But you know, it's um, technology's not a bad thing. The things of this world aren't bad. You know, McDonald's not a bad thing, though I think my mother-in-law argued with me about that. Um, the baby doll for Rachel isn't a bad thing. Right? It's these things in excess. It's when we do those things instead of trying to find God. It's that when we have these relationships with our phones or our computers, instead of relationships with people, right? So we need to start developing what I would call a grateful heart. What's a grateful heart, Pastor Laura, I hear you saying? Thank you. <laughs> well, it's, it's a way of, of being thankful for what you're thankful for. You know? I am so thankful that I have a wonderful congregation like you all. I'm just so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for it, and I truly am, and I need to tell you that. And you need to tell people in your life what you're thankful for. And sometimes we get caught up in trying to be thankful for things that we're not thankful for. I'm thankful for taxes, that's right. right? No, you need to start by having a grateful heart and by being thankful for the things that you're actually thankful for. Sounds really crazy. It's simple. So if you want to have a grateful heart, if you want to be content in your life, you want to start with being thankful for the things you're actually thankful for. So what are some things you're thankful for? I'm going to write these down. What are things you're thankful for? Family. Health, family. What else? Shelter. Job, shelter. What do you say in the back? Shelter. Means I got a job. Okay. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> grandchildren. Church, grandchildren. Somebody say me. Aww. I'm thankful for you too, whoever said that. That you live in America. She's not being bad, she can stay. Really. You know what we focus on we're going to get more of? 
So when we start focusing on the things that we're grateful for, we're going to get more things that we're grateful for. If we focus on the things that we're not grateful for, what are we going to get? More things that we're not grateful for, right? It's just, it's just simple. It's because you see it everywhere, right? Like if you're having a bad day, everything's bad, right? You've been there? What you focus on, you get more of. So if we start focusing on being more grateful for things and, and being content with our lives and having real relationships with people with touch and eye contact and letting people know that they're important to us, you're going to start seeing a difference that this restless heart syndrome that you have will be filled by the only thing that can fill it. It's a relationship with God. So if you're struggling this day because you're a negative person or you're dealing with a lot of negative things, and there might be a lot of just junk happening in your lives, right? There just might be. And I don't know what that is. And I'm not saying it's so simple and easy to forget all of those things. What I'm telling you to do is to start being grateful for the things that you're grateful for and have real relationships with people where you look them in the eye. Because you'll start to feel a difference when you start focusing on the goodness of God. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 63. I'm going to talk a little bit about what true satisfaction is, right? So, in Psalm 63, I mean, this isn't just new to 2015, people, right? This has been going on for, for thousands of years. This is, uh, psalm 63 is a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. So he's, like, by himself in the desert of Judah, right? He's, he's who, who likes being in the desert? Anybody here? Right? Not nice. Not nice environment. This is what he has to say. Psalm 63, we're going to verse 1 and then we'll do verse 6. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. This is the desire that we have for God to fill our lives. It does not say, oh, money. You are my mother. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. O oh, money in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Does it say that? No, it says, oh God. Right? But people try to fill that void with God. Then we're going to go to verse 6. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Okay, now we're going to go to Ecclesiastes. I'm going to sing my song. Here we go, it's after Psalms. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. My heart took delight in all my labor. 
and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. I denied myself no pleasure, all my heart's desire, and it was meaningless. You know, I think sometimes, um, actually there was a really funny meme on, on, on Facebook that said, I really hate opening uh, my bank account and, and realizing that the $20 million just isn't there. Right? I mean, I think I could do a lot of really, really good things with $20 million, don't you all think? I'd pay off the debt of the church, no problem, right? Snap. Learn that from Glenn. No, um, sometimes we sit around and we wish and we hope for these things instead of being grateful of what we have, of grateful of who we have and where we are. And this is part of being content with what God has given us. And this is what I'm asking you to find in your lives, that there is enough for you, that God has supplied that. So then how do you build contentment in your lives? How do you take what's going on in your life and how do you um, make that something that you do on a daily basis? Well, I think that there's some easy things, um, quick and easy things that you can do that my dad would come up here and want to tell you. First, he would say, um, reduce your consumption in this world. Um, Turn the lights off when you leave a room, right? I mean, this is this is reducing consumption, right? Um, <laughs> turn the lights off. Turn the set your thermometer uh, down a couple degrees or up a couple degrees uh, in your house. You know, <coughs> reducing your consumption. Asking yourself before you buy something, do I really need this? Do I really need this? This whole culture is based on what I would like to call the, the aisles in Walmart that are in the checkout lane, right? I hate those lanes. And you know why? Because they have all these little things for little kids and they're all right down there. And then things for big kids that are right here at my level. And they're really smart about it. There's been a whole science of marketing, of studying what to put at what level and how to sort of force you through a store so that you'll buy things. The way the aisles are set up, the way the displays are set up, it's all about you consuming. So being aware of what you want before you go out to buy something, so that you're not tricked into buying this cheap little piece of junk that's gonna break before your kids get to the car, right? Or you're not tricked into buying something that you don't really need. Reduce your consumption that you have. Then, Purchase things that are really meaningful to you. Something that really matters to you. So get rid of all this junk stuff that you're doing and save that for something that you really want. Something that you really need. You see how this can build contentment in our life? Um, another, <clears throat> I feel like my dad's giving a sermon today. Um, another thing that we can, I think he might be, <laughs> another thing that, that would be really good for us to do is to use something up before we buy something new, right? So how many of us, you know, shampoo bottles, only a quarter full, 
we go buy another one and toss that in the trash, right? Use something up before you buy something new. It's reducing our consumption, only buying things that we really want, that we really need, and recognizing that we can have contentment in our life. Um, another thing, this is huge. Um, try to find ways in which you can have low-cost entertainment with your families. You know, you don't have to all go to the movies. You don't all have to go, you know, and pay all this, you know, money to go to different places. You know, one of the most fun things that that my family did when we were kids growing up, we played charades, which I know is so stupid, but we did it. And and we would do it once a week. And do the kids, we came up with the idea. My parents got involved, and we had a blast because we were being with each other. Right? I mean, I love playing card games. I play a mean game of apples to apples. Anybody else? It's a mean game. I know some of you ladies play cards, and you're serious about it. <clears throat> I don't think I'll ever get invited to that. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. That's it. That's it. But these are low-cost ways of entertainment, of, of, of spending time with each other. Right? You don't always have to, to go and, and spend money to be together. Um, and, and again, I just think it is so huge that you're with somebody, right? That you do things with them, not for them. You know? You do things with them. My dad just turned 60 this past year. Does that, actually this past September, does that make you feel how young I am? <laughs> um, he just turned 60, he plays baseball twice a week. Um, he plays baseball twice a week at 60 years old, right? Okay, uh, so for his birthday, he has everything. Who, who here has somebody in your life like that? If you want something, you go buy it. You know, it's hard to buy them a gift, right? So what we did for my dad's birthday is we all came up with um, a certain number of things. So we had 60 things that we told him that, that we loved about him. It was pretty cool, you know? really good. My mom's idea. Really good. I mean, none of us spent any money. We would have all gone out and spent money. But that meant more to him than anything else. It's this place of being content and, and being grateful for what you're grateful for. Don't try to force yourself into being grateful for, for not having any money. Okay? Because that's not going to work. Be grateful for what you're grateful for. Be content. Find ways in which you can reduce your consumption in this world and you can um, just, you know, low-cost entertainment, <coughs> low-cost things that are fun that you can do with people, that you can have real relationships. And the real relationships, I mean, by looking somebody in the eyes, you know? Because that is so important in this culture. And that's how we can be genuine and authentic, and that's how we can be the type of Christian that God has called us to be. And when we do these things and we reduce the consumption and we reduce all the money that we spend on these little things that don't matter, right? Then we can have money that we really choose what we want to do with it. And we can do some great things with it. And I know I feel like a broken record, but look at the great things that Glenn did with his life. And look at the great things that he did after he passed away. Or he left the church all this month. We can do things like that too. We don't have to live these big, flashy lives. In fact, that's not what God wants us to do anyway, because we're going to be chasing after things that don't fill us. 
the things that are going to fill our hearts are the things from God. And this restless heart syndrome is something that we all have, every single one of us, that can only be truly filled by God. My prayer for you is that as you go forth from this place this week, there's something, some nugget of truth that I have said that you can take and apply to your life. That you can start looking people in the eyes if you're not already doing it. And having relationships that matter. And only doing the things and buying things that really matter to you. And making a difference in this world by showing the love of Jesus Christ that you have in your hearts. My prayer for you is that. I also want to say, as we've been going through this series, <coughs> next week is our Commitment Sunday. So what that means is that I want you to bring that sheet, if you haven't already turned it in, the sheet for the, the service to the church. There's also commitment cards for pledges for the year. Now I, and I, I want you to hear this from me truthfully, I do not care how much you give. That is between you and God. You hear me say that? The church isn't about wanting your money. That's between you and God. It's about making a commitment to God and following through. And when we have followed through, the, the sense that we feel of contentment, of doing what we said we were going to do with our generous hearts, it's, it's uh, filling that void. So yeah, if it's, you know, $5, $10 for the year, I want you to fill it out. Because that's between you and God. Now, the only person that sees these pledge cards is our finance secretary. Okay? I'm not going through them. The finance team isn't going through them. Our finance secretary, she goes through them. She puts them in the computer. And then that's where the statements come out every, every year. Or like every quarter. So we don't do that as a way to say, hey, guess what? You're not giving enough money. That's not why we do that. We do that because it's, a, it's an accountability that you can check what you said you were going to do and what you've done. You see? It's not about giving the amount of money to the church. It's about a commitment that you make with God. All of us are required to do that. Whether it be a penny or five dollars or $500,000. It's about giving to God. You need to do both of these things. You need to fill out the form for service to the church, and you need to fill out your pledge card. And those things will happen next week. Now, if you forget that, we'll have extras next week to fill those out. But I ask that you go home this week, pray with your family about what it is that, that you can do and what it is that God's calling you to. Now, these are hard conversations. And these last three weeks that me preaching about finances um, has been difficult. You know? Because people don't like to talk about money. But where else are we going to learn about it if we don't learn the principles that God has given us? Amen? Because God's given us these principles. We've got to teach our kids. We've got to teach ourselves. But we are mindful and grateful what God has given us. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for all that you have given us this day. Help us, Lord, to continue to be grateful for our health, for our families, 
for our jobs, for shelter, for our kids, for our church, for food, for time. Lord, help us to be grateful for you. We ask that you give us grateful hearts. In your loving name we pray. Amen.